Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hello there, everyone. Today we are posting our M&M for the month of September. The seasons, they are changing, and we'll dive right in right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, I'm sitting here in the studio today surrounded by all of my beloved books and references and notes and... I was supposed to get in here and record a little bit ago, but I just kept seeing more and more and more and reading more and more and more all of these things that I want to share with you today as we dive into God's Word, as we continue this series in the book of Psalms. And I love the book of Psalms because it is the rawness of real life here in this fallen world. You get it in the Psalms. You get all of these worship Psalms. You get all of these focused psalms on who God is and his glory and his greatness and his faithfulness and his goodness and his protection and he's our deliverer and on and on and on and it's glorious. And then you have psalms like the one we have today, the ones that get down into the nitty gritty, the ones that acknowledge just how hard things can be here. And that's why I think it's so important to dig into the psalms because 
the Psalms are real and they're raw and they remind us that we're not alone in our struggle against sin and our having to deal with the consequences of other people's sin and our sin constantly. And so that's why I included Psalm 86 today and it's just, it's just marvelous. I'm so grateful for the richness of the Word of God that there's only one perfect character in from the beginning to the end, and that's the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sent from God because He loved us so, because He intended to make a way for you and I in this sinful world to be reconciled to Himself. So He sent His Son, Jesus, but that's the only perfect character. Otherwise, the Word of God is filling. The Word of God is filled with character after character after character that is flawed, 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 flawed filled with sinful choices and consequences, with brokenness, with pain. All of that is in the entire biblical narrative. And it's there to remind us of the reality of sin. I was recently listening to some teaching, and the point that was reiterated over and over and over was, where there is sin, there is death. Where there is sin, there is death. Where there is sin, there is death. And we're here in a fallen world where there is sin which means there's death, there's pain, there's loss, there's frustration, there's overwhelm. All of those things are present. And so it would seem that in light of all of those realities that we should just pull the sheets over our head and never get out of bed, right? But that's not what we're called to. We're called to live above the fray because our focus is right. And remember, that is the priority in all of these podcasts in my ministry is that we would focus up whether we're studying the life of the apostle Peter or going through Mark, which we'll pick up next time, or we're looking at our M&Ms at the first of every month. We want to make sure that we've got our focus right, because I believe that the enemy of our souls is working overtime to distract us and he's content to just keep us distracted, right? And we are to focus on God. He is our hope. This world is not our home. That's our hope, that this world isn't our home. All of this brokenness that we're surrounded by, all of these frustrations that we have to figure out how to navigate, how do we go forward, right? All of that, we're given his word in the hope, and we're given the tools as we dive in and dig in to what it has to say. And we get that this week in Psalm 86. So don't forget to go over to rachelcarmen.com, pick up the study guide over there. It complements what we'll go over here today, but it also takes it to a whole different level, gives you some introspective questions, hopefully some issues that you can wrestle through and with, because that's really good stuff. So let's dive in. What I want to say at the beginning is in my Bible, it's it summarizes this psalm as a psalm of supplication and trust. And so I want I want you to sort of keep that in the back of your mind as we're going through. What is the supplication and what are the issues of trust? And I think it's important to note that those things ought to go hand in hand. Those issues that we want to bring before the Lord of hosts We ought to bring trusting that he knows and will do the right thing with those things, those things that we bring to him, right? Too often we bring our supplications with the solutions, right? We we bring the problems to him and we say, and this is what we want you to do to fix it. Instead, what he offers us the opportunity to do is bring the supplications, right? 
and trust that he's going to do what needs to be done with them. And that nine times out of 10, 99.999 times out of 10, we don't know what that solution is. And that's why we bring our supplications and our trust. And we're going to see that through this whole psalm. I would like to suggest to you that as I've been studying this, I see this pattern go through this psalm that I think is really phenomenal. And I will post the verses corresponding with this pattern over on the study guide. I need to remember to do that. But I'll post the verses that correspond, and you can see if you see this same pattern. But what I see here, and I counted, let me look, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. There are 15 verbs that the psalmist uses, and this, the psalmist here, this is written by David. There are 15 verbs that the psalmist asks the Lord to do on his behalf. 15 different things that he's asking him to do. He is asking God to take action. And that's powerful. This is one of the things we're looking at in our study of the gospel of Mark is that in Mark, Jesus is portrayed as the action-oriented son of God. So not passive. And just as our God is not passive, the father sent the son, right? The son came and died and the Holy Spirit indwells. We serve an action God, right? We're called to action also. We're not called to be passive. And we see the psalmist here being very clear on what he needs God to do. And yet, I would suggest to you, even in calling on these actions, the psalmist David, he's trusting. He's trusting. He's trusting. Here's the pattern that I saw emerge. And and I would like to encourage you, one of the ways that I love to study scripture is to read an entire passage over and over and over and over. I, I don't encourage you to just cherry pick one verse, right? Because out of context, it's not going to, it's not going to have the umph and the meaning and the depth that it will have in its context. On its own, in fact, it's very easy to misinterpret or misunderstand and certainly misapply what a verse is trying to say. You gotta keep it in context and just not of just the merely surrounding verses, but right the whole passage, right? The whole chapter, the whole narrative, right? So we can't drill down into one verse and come up with a doctrine or a theology or a truth. We have to make sure we keep it in the context of all of scripture. So all that to say, as I've been studying these Psalms, I endeavor to read them over and over and over and over, asking the Holy Spirit, show me what's here. Show me what I need to see. Show me your truth, right? Reveal to me where where I can learn and grow, learn more about you. So as I was reading Psalm 86 over and over and over, this is the pattern I saw emerge. Listen, because you are. Listen, you are. Teach me, you are. Listen, you are. Listen, you are. Now, that may not make a whole lot of sense since we haven't even read the psalm yet, but I I would suggest to you, uh, certainly in the psalms, there are patterns that emerge, right, as we read them through. And this is a great 
pattern I'm going to suggest to you for us to consider adopting, and that is calling upon God, right? Listen to me. I have something to say. I'm concerned about something. I'm overwhelmed. I'm frustrated. I'm lost, whatever, right? Because you are, right? So that supplication with the acknowledgement of who he is, back and forth and back and forth. I think that's just beautiful. So on your own time, you can look at that, see what pattern emerges as you study this. But let's go ahead and dive on in. Starting in verse 1, he starts with one of these verbs, and the psalmist David writes, Incline your ear to me, O Lord, and answer me. Answer me. Look, I don't think you have to to be on the planet too long before you need you need to know that you're heard and you, and you want an answer right for i am afflicted and needy he writes preserve my soul for i'm a godly man oh my god save your servant who trusts in you so that's the first time we see it he says i'm afflicted i'm needy i, I have some things here that i really need But I'm a godly man. In other words, I'm chasing after you. And listener, I hope that you are chasing hard after God. Because look, there's not a promise in scripture that says, if you believe in Christ, then everything's going to be rosy. It's not in there. I know that there are false gospels that teach that that's the way it works. You need to know that that's not the way it works. If that's true, we have to throw out everybody in the gospels, everybody in scripture, Because over and over and over, these mighty men and women of God did put their trust in God, and hard things still happen. Why? Because they were in a fallen world. And those challenges and those trials and those struggles that came upon them were under his sovereign plan to teach them, to teach us more and more about the truth of who he is and grant us more and more dependence on him alone who is worthy of our dependence. So we see that here. We see David calling on God and we simultaneously say, see him saying, I trust in you. I'm yours and I trust in you and I'm coming to you. Please listen to me and answer me. Moms, if you're out there, you've prayed this prayer. I mean, fill in the blank with what it is, right? But you've prayed this prayer. You begged for God to listen to you, and you need to know that he does. He does. As his servants, he he listens to us. The second half of two says, save your servants who trust in you. Picking up in three, be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all day long. Do you hear this? This is desperate. This isn't passing. This isn't, Lord, where'd I put my keys, right? And I've, I've prayed that prayer, I confess, openly. This is, I cannot be with my son. Please be with my son. I cannot fix this, Lord. Please, Lord, intervene. That's what this is. This is desperate. We're going to get the the tales of desperate when we get to 14. But already in three, we're hearing the desperate. Four, make glad the soul of your servant. Second time he's referred to himself as your servant. Here we go. For to you, O Lord... I lift up my soul. Listener, I want to ask you, who or what do you go to when you're desperate? The psalmist is admitting, I'm desperate. I need you. I am crying out to you. I am your servant. Answer me because I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. You and I need to take a cue for this and make sure that we are going to him. 
He is our answer, not the world, not Google. Google is not your answer. Only God is your answer. For to you, for you, in verse five, he says, Lord, you are good. You are good. Do you know, listener, that God is good? I, I find it interesting that that's the first attribute that the psalmist here writes about God. You are good. You're good. In the New Testament, Paul writes about the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Good. Good. You are good, he says, and ready to forgive, merciful, and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. Do you know that? God is ready. He is listening to all who call upon him. Give ear, O Lord, here's a repeat of verse 1, to my prayer, and give heed to the voice of my supplication. Listen up, God. Listen, in the day of my trouble, again, he says, I will call upon you, for you will answer me. Do you hear that trust? You will answer me. This is confidence. I am coming to you with an issue, with a frustration, with a problem, with a situation, with the circumstances, and I know you will answer me. You need to know that you serve a God who answers. Eight. There is no one like you. No one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. I love this particular part of the psalm. This is 8b, where he says, nor are there any works like yours. I I see in this a, I see in this a submitting, a surrendering to God's answer. Realizing that, look, No one does things the way you do them. A reference to your ways are higher than my ways. I am surrendering to your way in this situation. Because nobody works things out like you do. Who would have ever written that the answer to our sin problem was the gift of God's son on the cross of Calvary to pay our sin debt? That's a wondrous act of God. Nobody works out our needs like God does. Nine, all nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O God. They shall glorify your name, for you are great and you do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. This is the stake in the ground for David right here in nine, and sorry, right here in 10b. You alone are God, and I'm coming to you. You are my answer. You are my source of hope and strength and confidence. I'm coming to you because you alone are God. Listener, do you know that he alone is God? We'll finish it up right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, 
the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. Okay, now we're in verse 11. This is a little bit of a transition. We've gone from listen to me. Now we have this three verses. Teach me to walk in your way, O Lord and I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name, and I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Do you see this? This isn't a man-centered psalm. David is not focused on himself. David is focused on God. Look, you and I too often in our supplications, and our panic, in our problems, we run, and it's all about us. It's all about us. We've got to make sure we make the shift in our focus to it being about him, who he is, what he's already done, and what he will do, putting our confidence in him. 13, for your loving kindness toward me is great. Your loving kindness toward me is great. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Now listen to this. We're in verse 13. We have all the way to 17 to go. But right here, David is saying, you've already done for me everything that I need done. You need to know this. You need to know that the cross of Calvary represents your greatest need. And that was your sin debt paid through the gift of God's son, the lamb of God slain on the cross of Calvary. His blood atonement price paid for you and for me. Already done. And David prophetically says here, already done. You have already delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. But then he immediately in 14 steps into the specifics of his supplication. After having already declared You've you've already met my greatest need. Here is my immediate need. Oh God, arrogant men have risen up against me and a band of violent men have sought my life and they have not set you before them. Here it is. Here's why he's come. Here's the issue at hand. And listener, I want to invite you, fill in the blank. What is it? What's your greatest need? It fits right here in 14. Do you see this? It wasn't in verse 1. David has gone through all this, asking the God to listen, while simultaneously acknowledging who God is, praising him, remembering and reminding himself of who God 
is, what his focus is, where his hope already is, already is. And then he he boils it down to just one verse. Just one verse. Then 15 begins with a pivotal conjunction. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Oh, grant your strength to your servant. It's the third time David has referred to himself as your servant. And notice the contrast here. Your servant, I am alone. I am weak. I am vulnerable. I am afraid. I am tired. I am overwhelmed. Anybody else? That's what David is saying here. He's simultaneously saying this, though. But you are merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and in truth. You are the strength that I need. He acknowledges all of the feelings that are weighing him down while simultaneously acknowledging the God of the universe. The God of the universe. The second half of 16, save the son of your maidservant. And then 17, show me a sign for good. Show me something. I love this part of this psalm. I'm sure that I am not alone and often wanting, can you just show me something? Can I just get a glimpse? I get that I don't get a crystal ball. I get that you're not going to just lay it out and show me all of the answers. But can I just get a glimpse? Can you just show me something? Just something. See, when we get to this place of desperate, and I want to I say something here, and this is a, a study that I want to, maybe we'll tackle this next year on the podcast, and that is this whole issue of desperate. There are, if you trace through the biblical narrative, there are, there are so many moments where characters included in the biblical narrative Get to this desperate place. This is past, I can't. This is, oh my goodness, what in the world? I don't know how I got here. I don't see anywhere out. Every every part of me hurts. That desperate. And I'm betting you know what I'm talking about. You wake up with the, in the morning, right? You, You cry all day long, this desperate place, right? And you get in this desperate place and it's dark and you don't see any light anywhere. And you get here to the 17A, show me something, a sign, something. And I want to tell you that place of desperate is the place we work so hard never to be. And yet I believe it's the place he invites us to stay because in that place of desperate We are paying attention to him in ways that we're not when things are just clicking along. Because when things are clicking along, we tend to be distracted by all the things that are clicking along. But in our desperation, in those moments of darkness, we're looking for something. We're hypersensitive to his movement. And that's what I see here with David. Show me something. Show me something. Are you in a place right now where you're just like, oh, sweet Jesus, show me something. Show me something. That's where David was here. Something tangible. 
A rainbow, maybe? A butterfly? That's me, right? A smile, a phone call, a text? A note in the mail? Something? Something. That's what David is asking for. But get his motive for this. Show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed. Wow. In other words, this sign of something, this tangible something, this glimmer of hope that the psalmist David has already said, my hope is securely in you because you've already done for me everything that I even needed to be done. But in this situation right now, in this immediate need that I've got, could you show me something? And not just for me. Because that's implied here. That for me, I need something. Please, I don't deserve it. You don't have to, obviously. But maybe please, right? But not just for me. Could you show something so that the situation I'm under, the people that are being critical, the people that are maligning me, the people that are lying about me, the people who are opposing me, that they can see that something, And be ashamed of the way they're treating me. Better yet, ashamed that they don't know you. Right? That they don't know you. Because, he wraps it up here in 17, because you, O Lord, have helped me. You have helped me. You have helped me. And you, in the midst of this crazy chaos, in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of this criticism and this opposition and this overwhelm, you have comforted me. You have. This situation is none of those things. But you have comforted me. You are my deliverer. You are my helper. You are my peace. You are my comfort. Because my hope is rightly set in you. Yes. This is the point at which the fear of men is dispelled. Dispelled. It's gone. And the fear of God is established. In the darkest place, we have the light of our hope set on God. We must focus on God. Luther wrote this, and I found it in a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer on the Psalms. It's a great little book that I commend to you. Luther wrote this, Where do you find more miserable, more wretched, more depressing words than in the Psalms of Lamentation? There you see into the heart of all the saints, as into death, even as into hell, how sad and dark it is there in every wretched corner of the wrath of God. Do you get it? Because again, where sin is, there is death. Where sin is, there is death. We're in the world. Things are going to be tough. But take heart, I have overcome the world, Jesus said. I've overcome the world. When things get hard, when things get tough, we've got to remember the example we have in Psalm 86. We've got to appeal to God. Listen to me and remember who he is. Listen and remember. Listen and remember. The situation at the end of this psalm, the supplication in verse 14, when he lays it out, the details, is not necessarily settled at the end of this psalm. But the psalmist reminds us that the sovereign of the universe is seated on his throne. That's good news. That's good news. 
Pop culture calls this kind of a psalm, all this back and forth. Pop culture started calling this a few decades ago, I guess now, self-talk, that we've got to make sure we're talking to ourselves in positive ways, right? But the Bible had it first. That's worth noting because that's what this is. David, he's got all this in his head. The enemy has gotten into his head in this situation, in this circumstance. He's overwhelmed. And I know you know what I mean. If you're living and breathing on this planet, you know what I mean. You know what it's like to just have all of these things pressing in upon you and really feel like you're going under, right? And that's right here in this psalm. This psalm is a model for believers on how to refocus our minds on the master, on the sovereign of the universe, so that you're not overcome and you're not overwhelmed by the things of this world because you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. This psalm also invites us not to ignore our issues, We have the example in this psalm of how to acknowledge the challenges, obstacles, and crises that we face, to admit our fears. There's nothing wrong with saying, I am afraid, I am concerned, I am frustrated. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. We're called, though, to wrestle well, not to waller. Look, when we waller, we get stuck. We get stuck in self-pity. We get stuck thinking it's not fair. If you wonder if you're wallowing, if those things are coming to mind, you're wallowing. If you're wrestling well, you are in the same pattern that this psalm says. You're acknowledging what's going on and you're willing to admit your, your overwhelm and your, your fear. But you haven't lost your focus on who he is. See, here's the option. Instead of wallowing, appeal to God, not Google. I'm going to challenge you, don't rush to Google. Close your computer, put down your phone, and appeal to God. Not the world's solution. Acknowledge who he is. Remind yourself who God is. He's good. He's faithful. He's true. Admit your need. And admit not just that you need answers, but that you don't have them. Admit you can't. Admit you can't. It's terrifying, and it's also liberating. Admit you can't. And then finally, accept his will. Lean in, trust, and obey. Lean in, trust, and obey. Remember, At the cross of Calvary, Jesus paid your sin debt. God sent his son to pay your sin debt. And not only did he pay your sin debt on the cross of Calvary, he died, he was buried, and on the third day, he defeated death. Everything, the most fundamental things you've ever needed done for you are done on the cross of Calvary. And on top of that, He sent his Holy Spirit to indwell you as his believer, to grant you the strength and the discernment and the wisdom you need day in and day out. And on top of that, 
you get eternal life with him. A place of eternal shalom. Things as they ought to be. The way you desire things to be here and now that they can't be because sin is present, we get for eternity. That's the hope of heaven. Dear listener, dare to dig in and dive deep into the truth of God's word. Dare, dare to worship him. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.